The holiday of Sukkot contains many layers and contradictions. Rabbi Dalia Marks, a professor at the Jerusalem campus of Hebrew Union College and author of From Time to Time, Journeys in the Jewish Calendar, spoke to us about the holiday and some of its traditions. Sukkot falls more or less on the equinox, uh, where the day and the night are equal, more or less. And this is a time of a transition uh, from the summery time into the wintry time. I'm not sure that we can talk about uh, fall or autumn uh, in, in Middle Eastern terms, but definitely a time of transition bef- between the summer and, and the winter. And Sukkot is a festival that is very rich with many layers of meaning, uh, like, uh, like all of our festivals and uh, designated days. But I think Sukkot in particular is a celebration that has a lot of contradictions within it. On one hand, when the Torah says, V'samachta v'chagecha, rejoice in your festival, that's from Deuteronomy 16, it refers to Sukkot. Sukkot, when, when the Torah speaks of a Chag, just a Chag, a festival, it is Sukkot. That's the festival per se. And that's the festival that is... Uh, Filled with joy. That's the idea about uh, Sukkot. Uh, in the um, agricultural world, and back in the day, most uh, most people were uh, living under uh, according to the agricultural cycle. The winter is approaching, and the farmer sits at home with his with his or her uh, storage, with the barn filled with uh, crops, filled with harvest, filled with fruit. So that's a time of a lot of uh, joy, yeah, and, and, and maybe celebration and confidence. But at the same time, there's always this uh, anxiety. Will there be enough rains? Will there be good rains? Because uh, not all rains are, are good rains. Our, our rabbis are talking about gishmei bracha, uh, rains of blessing. Not too little and not too less. So it, will there be enough food this year? So this this is the time of the of the year when when people started thinking about it, and in fact the Mishnah uh, in Tractate Rosh Hashanah, the first uh, chapter of uh, Tractate Rosh Hashanah, says that the the world is judged four times a year, and one of them is uh, Sukkot, and on Sukkot we are judged uh, uh, according to uh, with regard or concerning water. That is to say the rainfall of the coming year. So the the entire Chag, the entire festival, is in a way in the shadow of questions of what will happen in the future. What will ha- what will, be, will this new year that just began bring us? And I think it's not just in the agricultural world, it's also for people who are not uh, uh, attached or tied to the agricultural uh, seasons. It's also, you know, we're asking ourselves, what will this year bring with it now that we completed with the Day of Atonement, the 10 Days of Repentance. Now we start the year. How will this year uh, look like? So (laughs) given these reflections, as you say, that we've just come out of, Sukkot is the time for questioning and wondering of looking forward of what's to come? Yes, and also time of reflection. Uh, you know, all teachers and all the students know that in this time, uh, you know, we, we study for two days and then we have Rosh Hashanah and then we have Yom Kippur and now we have Sukkot and then Simchat Torah. 
And so one celebration follows the next. And when Sukkot is over, this is where their year really begins. This is the routine, the shigra. This is where, you know, the normal lives begin. My grandfather, my Sephardic grandfather, used to say in Ladino, which is the Jewish-Spanish language, used to say, Sukhwe Sukkot vino falakot. When Sukkot is over, this is when the spanking begins because the, the teachers, the rabbis used to really spank them. This was not a, there was a, a, a like a, that was their reality. So this is where, where you really mean business. This is where the year really begins. The after the holidays period. Yes. And talking about the holiday and some of the uh, customs of the holiday, one of the uh, most notable ones is the ushpizin, uh, mm-hmm. the visitors or the hosting. It depends on which perspective you're looking at and who comes. So what's what are the um, foundations of this and where has it taken us in our current time? So the, the, the mitzvah of accepting uh, visitors, of accepting guests, of hosting people, is something that we know already from from the Torah, from the Bible, where Abraham is known for his uh, hospitality. And then the Talmud is uh, is praising this mitzvah of uh, welcoming the the people who need of shelter, welcoming guests. And Rabbi Yochanan, who's great uh, Talmudic uh, sage, says, "Gdolach nasat orchim keashkamat bet hamidrash." Uh, uh, hosting people, inviting people over is such a great mitzvah as waking up early in the morning to go to study. And you know that study is a very, very important central value for them. And then another rabbi, Rav Dimi, says it's even it's even greater than getting up in the morning and going to the Beit HaMidrash. And another rabbi says, his name is Rav, he says, welcoming the stranger, inviting people over, is greater than accepting the Shekhinah, the presence of God. So really, it's something that it seems like they had to stress the importance of opening your home, opening your door, your doors to someone new, someone you, you haven't um, necessarily met before, someone who is in need, and we know how uh, great this mitzvah is, especially with uh, with uh, the war going on in in Europe and 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 in in general. Yes, you know this this year in uh, the, in Hebrew letters is Taf Shin Pei Gimel, but some people scramble the letters and they get Tifgosh. Tifgosh means you shall meet. Let's meet. Let's uh, be in touch. Let's get together. Um, the actual minhag, the actual custom of ushpizin in Sukkot is is a, a relatively late one. Uh, we don't hear about it in the classical rabbinic literature. It's um, based on something that is written in the Zohar, the 13th or 14th century um, the Kabbalistic, uh, the the most maybe the most central. Uh, composition of the Kabbalah, uh, but the actual mintag is known to uh, to us from from later. The word ushkizin, by the way, by the way, is not Hebrew. It's not uh, Aramaic uh, either. The origin of the word ushkizin uh, comes from the Persian language, and and interestingly enough, you know, I mean, if you think about it, hospitality and hospital uh, also come from ushkiz. And this is a this is the same uh, ancient root. So to host someone, to have someone over is ushpizim, and we we learn about seven 
celestial, seven heavenly Ushpizin that are coming to visit us on Sukkot. And plural, it's Ushpizin. In singular, it's Ushpiz. And every day we have a different Ushpiz. On the first day, we have Abraham. And on the second day of Sukkot, we invite Isaac. And on the third day, we have Jacob, and then Moses, and then Aaron, and then Joseph, and David, and sometimes um David comes before Joseph, uh, but but this is the these are the seven uh, heavenly Ushpizim, and the rabbis are stressing that it's not enough to invite these uh, celestial, these heavenly ancestor to our uh, to our midst, to our table in the sukkah, but we also need to invite uh, people who are in need, especially poor people. Now, in the last, uh, and, and there's a beautiful piyut, there's a beautiful liturgical hymn that uh, invites those uh, ushpizim and, and uh, accept them into the sukkah, um, uh, come, be with us, be in our midst, and, and, uh, and enjoy, uh, enjoy uh, sitting in the sukkah of the Holy One, blessed be Him. And the interesting thing, I think, is that uh, uh, lately, in um, recent uh, decades, a lot of people are asking, this is wonderful to have these ushpizin, male ushpizin, but what about female ushpizan? I think this is how it should be uh, pronounced, although most people say ushpizot. Uh, what about celestial female guests uh, that we may want to invite into our midst? The uh, ancestors of our people, the, the mothers, the foremothers, that we would like to spend time with and to think about and to converse, as it were, with them. And here comes something that I think is very creative. Normally, we see it many times when we, when we see how we can include the feminine voice into our tradition. Uh, the male ushpizin are set. You know, the, we know the seven ushpizin. Maybe the order is somewhat different between the Ashkenazic uh, custom and the Sephardi custom, but the seven ushpizin are, are uh, who they are. But when you start thinking about who should be the female ushpizot, then um, it, 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 it's a very creative question. Who are the seven figures that, uh, that you would like to in, invite to your sukkah? So here there are all kinds of responses given, and when uh, I, we dealt with the Sidur, I was the uh, chief editor of the Israeli Reform Sidur, Filata Adam, that recently came out in a bilingual uh, edition, Hebrew and English. We had to choose which are the seven Ushpizot. Are there the spouses of the Ushpizin? That is to say, Sarah with Abraham, Rebecca with Isaac. When we get to Jacob, it's more complicated because we had. Uh, Two wives, Rachel and Leah, and what about the concubines, Zilpa and Bilha? Um, here it's, it becomes a little bit more complicated. And we can also look at the Talmudic um, uh, statement about the seven Sheva Neviot, the seven uh, prophets, seven prophetesses, seven women prophets. I think you you can call it. Maybe they should be the seven Ushpizot. So here the, you have Sarah and Miriam and Deborah and Hannah and Abigail and Huldah and Esther. Um, and there are other suggestions. So it kind of opens a question who from the past would you like to, to have over spiritually or symbolically and to converse with? 
Um, and, and in many families, uh, people are asked, we ask uh, our children and our guests, who would you like to have over if you could choose a, a special Ushpiz or Ushpiza, a special guest, a special person from the past uh, to, to, to be with us and to have, to, to have dinner with us in the Sukkah. So, I think this is a very creative way of thinking about our tradition and sort of opens it up. Into what makes an impact, who are the people who we consider are important in some way. Exactly. And it's also a question of inclusivity. I can tell you that a few years ago, our, uh, the cloth of our sukkah got lost. We don't know how exactly. <laughs> we had to buy a new one. And my husband came back home with a cloth that has a seven ushpizin on it. And I said to him, no way, we can't have just the male ushpizin. We need to have female ushpizot as well. So we bought these uh, markers that uh, you can write on uh, textile. And we started adding names of, um, you know, potential Ushpizot, female uh, uh, heavenly guests. And here we had all, all kinds of ideas, not just uh, uh, characters from the Torah or from the Bible, but also uh, special characters from the Mishnah time or from the medieval ages, and even from our days, from our time. And speaking of Uh, figures and individuals from our time and those uh, women figures who've had an impact. You yourself will be taking part in an activity over the upcoming Sukkot Festival, uh, casting or, or, or placing a highlight on women, specifically uh, women rabbis. That's right. Uh, and in fact, the first uh, woman to be ordained is my personal Ushpiza. Regina Jonas is her name. I think in English you would pronounce her name Regina Jonas, but uh, she was German, so it's Regina Jonas. And this is true on um, on Thursday, on Cholamed, uh, October 13, in Giva Time, we will participate uh, in the very traditional and very uh, the popular festival of Mesapresi Purim, storytellers with uh, Yossi Alfi. And we will celebrate three very important uh, milestones uh, with regard to women uh, in the rabbinate. So the first milestone has to do with Regina Jonas, uh, the woman that I just spoke about. She was ordained in Germany in 1935. But she was born 120 years ago, exactly 120 years ago. She did not have an um, official ordination. She had a private smicha, private ordination. Uh, and she was ordained in the most uh, dark, in the darkest time uh, for the Jews in, uh, in Germany. She was a very traditional woman. You know, she wasn't um, a very enthusiastic feminist, but she... She had a very soaring question, why cannot women be ordained? And she dedicated her academic uh, life to research this question. And in fact, she didn't find a reason in the halakha, in the legal writings, in the Talmud and the Poskim. She didn't find any reason why not to ordain women. Uh, and uh, this time was a time that a lot of people left uh, Germany to uh, to the land of Israel, to the United States, to other places. And a lot of rabbis left, too. There was a great need for rabbis, and she got a smicha, and she functioned as a rabbi in many congregations uh, in Germany. Unfortunately, she was uh, deported with her mother uh, to Theresienstadt in 19, uh, 1942, 
And even there, she continued uh, teaching and uh, providing spiritual care, what they call in German is Seelsorge. Uh, um, she helped the people who were deported to, to the camp and tried to help them find meaning in this terrible reality they, they had to face. Um, but unfortunately, she was killed. She was murdered in Auschwitz in 1944. And the thing that I cannot explain to you, I don't, I don't think I have an explanation. She was uh, why she was forgotten. She was basically forgotten. Nobody spoke about her after the Holocaust. Although she was very present in the life of of uh, people who survived, she worked with uh, Viktor Frankl who wrote the book, uh, Men in Search of Meaning. She, was in, 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 she worked with uh, Rabbi uh, Leo Beck, who survived uh, the war. But nobody spoke about her until the reunification of Germany, where a lot of archives were opened. And all of a sudden, they found in Potsdam, if I'm not mistaken, uh, pictures of her. And it says ordination, Regina Jonas, and some scholars began to investigate and uh, and they found about her, and I think uh, it is a great mitzvah for us to remember her as a great and very tragic pioneer of uh, a woman in the rabbinate. And but that's just one milestone. We have uh, two others that are I think, far more happy. <laughs> the second one is uh, we're celebrating this year 50 years. Uh, for the ordination of the first woman in a rabbinical seminary, and I'm talking about Rabbi Sally Prisand, who was ordained in 1972 in Cincinnati. Um, and after she was she was a reform rabbi, and, and, and after that also the conservatives started ordaining women. The Reconstructionists ordained women from the beginning, uh, from, from the outset, when they opened their seminary. And now I think the great uh, and, and joyous uh, news is that even in orthodoxy um, in the United States and in Israel, there are some seminaries who ordain women as rabbi. For example, here uh, in Jerusalem, we have, uh, we have one uh, seminary, seminary like this and also in, um, in, in New York. So I think this is great that um, that. Uh, 50% of uh, Jewish voices who were not heard publicly in a religious context yet, uh, before, uh, can be heard. Think about it. How much did we miss? How much did we lose by not hearing these uh, great women, uh, great, wonderful, wise, compassionate, passionate women uh, of our people when women were not, uh, did not have public, uh, re religious public roles. And the, and the third, third uh, milestone is more local, more uh, has to do with, with here, with uh, Israel. Forty years ago, the first woman rabbi was ordained here in Israel, and I'm talking about Rabbi Nama Kelman, who was the, he, she comes from a long, long lineage of uh, rabbis, but she was the first uh, woman uh, in her family to be ordained, and she is now the dean of Hebrew Union College, where I am fortunate to teach. So these three milestones, 120 years uh, for Regina, Regina Jonas, 50 years for the ordination of the first woman in a religious seminary, and 40 years for the uh, ordination of, uh, of the first woman in Israel, we celebrate all of them 
um, this uh, coming Thursday in this festival of Mr. Presipurim. I invite you, Nomi, uh, to come and to attend and to laugh with us and maybe occasionally to cry with us uh, about uh, these unique stories of, of, uh, of these unique women who chose to become rabbis. And now it's not a it's not something so unique, you know. Back in the days, whenever a woman was ordained, you 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 would see headlines in the newspaper. Now it's become something that is more normal. Thank God. Um, so we will talk about that. Yes. Well, thank you so much for speaking with us. Thank you. Shanatovam, Chag Sameach, Happy Sukkot to you and to all of your listeners. Oh, 